Malachi chapter 3 is verses in that chapter were selected for the lectionary today, but I thought we'd hear the whole thing. And it's uh, hard to know exactly how, this is not like uh, last Sunday where we heard a letter from Paul to the church. Um, It's hard to know exactly how the original hearers would have heard this. Uh, Perhaps it was from Malachi himself on the streets of Jerusalem and other cities in Judea. Uh, However, we do know that once it was written, it would have normally been heard in synagogues, people who attended synagogue. Here we go. Here's Malachi. A couple of things before we begin. If you want to know how his name is pronounced in the Hebrew, it's Malachi. This was written in 430 B.C., written to Israelites, priests, Israelite priests, husbands and wives, and it has a very unique literary trick to it or uh, technique. It's kind of like a question and answer session. God is saying things, and then he says, and then uh, the, the question is, well, how did we do that? And then God answers. And then you're going to need to remember, if you remember your old Sunday school lessons, uh, the old altar sacrifices of Israel. Um, you're going to hear a little bit about that. Um, you remember the animals had to be pure without blemish when they were brought to the temple for sacrifice, right? And it appears that by Malachi's time, by 430 B.C., uh, people were starting to get lazy about that and keeping the good animals for themselves and bringing the ones with defects and blemish to the temple. And, you know, God does not like that, right? You you cannot fool him. And then you're going to hear Levi. You're going to hear the name Levi. And and Malachi is not, he's not referring to one person named Levi or the son of Jacob. That man had died hundreds of years before this was written. Now, Levi means the family of Levi, who uh, even up until Malachi's time still had the the job of being the priests and taking care of the temple and doing all of the temple rites and that kind of thing. So he's referring to the whole tribe of Levi. Levi. This is a revelation of the Lord's word to Israel through Malachi. I love you, says the Lord. But you ask, how do you love me? Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord asks? I have loved Jacob, but Esau I hated. I made his mountains a wasteland and gave the country he inherited to the jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are struck down, but we will again build the ruins, then the Lord of armies says, they may build, but I will tear it down. And so they will be called a wicked country and the temple with whom the Lord is angry forever. You will see this with your own eyes and say, the Lord is great even beyond Israel's borders. A son honors his father and a slave his master. Then if I am a father, where am I honored? And if I am a master, where am I respected? The Lord of armies says this, You priests despise my name while you ask, How do we despise your name? You offer polluted food on my altars and ask, How do we pollute you? When you hold the Lord's table in contempt and when you offer a blind animal as a sacrifice, isn't that wrong? Or when you offer a lame or a sick animal, isn't that wrong? If you bring such to your governor, would he like you? Or would he welcome you? Asked the Lord of armies. Now ask God to show you mercy. Your hands have done this. Can he welcome any of you? 
The Lord of armies says, I even wish someone would shut the doors to keep you from lighting fires on my altar without a purpose. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies, and I don't welcome the offerings you bring. From the rising of the sun to its going down, my name is great among the nations, and everywhere incense is offered, my name and cleanse offerings become because my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. But you make it unholy by thinking the Lord's table may be defiled and the products and food on it despised. You say, oh, how tiresome it is, and you sniff at it, says the Lord of armies. You bring an animal you robbed or a lame or a sick one. When you bring such an offering, can I be glad you brought it, asked the Lord. No, a curse be on him who cheats, in whose flock there is a male he vows to give, but he sacrifices an injured one to the Lord. I am a great king, says the Lord of armies. My name is feared among the nations. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you won't listen or set your heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of armies, I will send a curse on you and curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you don't take this to heart. I will restrain your arm and will throw manure in your faces, even the manure from your festivals, and you will be swept away with it. Then you will know I sent you this warning about what is to happen to my covenant with Levi, says the Lord of armies. My covenant was with him, and it meant life and well-being, and I gave him reverence that he should respect me and stand in awe of my name. He taught the truth, and nothing wrong was found in what he said. He lived with me in a friendly and upright way and turned many away from wrong. A priest's lips should preserve knowledge. Then people will come to him to be taught the law because he is the measure of the Lord of armies. But you left the way and made many stumble over the law. You destroyed the covenant with Levi, says the Lord of armies. And so I too will make you contemptible and humiliate you before all the people because you disregard my ways and you are a and you are partial to certain persons in handling the law. Don't all of us have one father? Hasn't one God created us? Why does one cheat another and so violate the covenant of our fathers? Judah has broken it. Something abominable is done in Israel and Jerusalem. Judah has violated the Lord's holy sanctuary that he loves and has married the daughter of a strange God. The Lord of armies will not allow anyone who does this, whether he is a participant or a witness, to live in Jacob's tents, nor will he let them bring offerings to him. And here's another thing. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he doesn't look kindly at your offerings or feel pleased to get them from you. And still you ask, why? Because the Lord is a witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you are unfaithful, although she is bound to you and is your wife by solemn covenant. Did not the one God make her? Her flesh and spirit belong to him. And what does the one God want but godly offspring? Then watch your own spirit and don't be disloyal to the wife of your youth. You see, I hate divorce, says the Lord of the God of Israel. I hate him who does violence to the, to the sanctity of marriage, says the Lord of armies. Keep watch over your spirit and don't be unfaithful. You have made the Lord tired with your talk. Still you ask, how have we made him tired of us? 
by your saying of all who do wrong. The Lord considers them good. He delights in them. If that is so, where is the God of justice? I am going to send my messenger to prepare a way for me, and the Lord whom you are looking for will suddenly come to his, def- to his temple. Yes, the angel of the covenant whom you delight in he will come, says the Lord of armies. But when he comes, who can bear it? When he shows himself, who can stand it? He is like a refiner's fire, like cleaner's soap. And he will sit down like one who refines and cleanses silver to cleanse. Levi's descendants and and purify them like gold and silver. Then they will in righteous way bring offerings to the Lord. Then Judah's offering and Jerusalem's will please the Lord as they did in the past, in the years of long ago. Then I will come to judge you and will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, those who answer to a lie, those who rob a hired man of his wages, cheat a widow and an orphan, take away a stranger's rights, and don't respect me, says the Lord of armies. But I, the Lord, have not changed, and so you descendants of Jacob haven't perished. From the time of your fathers you have turned away from my laws and not kept them, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. You ask, how should we return? Can a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. How do we rob you, you ask? In giving the tenth and in offerings. A curse is on you because you, the whole nation, are robbing me. Bring all your tenth parts into the storehouse So there will be food in my temple. And please, test me on this, says the Lord of armies, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing for you till there is more than enough. I will restrain the devouring locust from harming you and from destroying the products of your ground and the grapes of the vines in your fields from dropping before they are ripe, says the Lord of armies. All nations will call you happy because you will be a delightful country, says the Lord of armies. You stubbornly oppose me in what you say, says the Lord. You ask, how did we talk against you? You said, it's so disappointing to serve God. What did we get where, whenever we did what we wanted and walked in mourning before the Lord of armies? According to our experience, people are happier if they forget about God, more successful if they do wrong. Yes, you can challenge God and get away with it. Then those who respected the Lord talked to one another, and the Lord was interested and listened. And a record was kept to remind him of those who respect the Lord and think highly of his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of armies. On that day when I act, they will be my precious possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then you will again see the difference between a righteous person and a wicked one, one who serves God and one who doesn't. We're almost done. <laughs> you see, the day will come, burning like a furnace, and all who defy God and all who do wrong will be straw. The coming day will burn them, says the Lord of armies, leaving no root or branch on them. But for you who respect my name, there will, be, there will rise the sun of righteousness with healing in his wings, You will go out and frolic like calves let out of their barns. 
You will tramp on the wicked because they will be ashes under your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of armies. Remember the instructions I gave my servant Moses at Horeb as laws and decrees for all Israel. I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the Lord's great and terrible day comes. He will give the heart of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will have to come and destroy the whole country with a curse. I just want to share you a couple of notes about this. Picture in your mind something that actually happens every day of the week in our preschool here. Picture this in your minds. When the kids are let out for recess to the playground, they don't just wander out to it. They bolt for it. And they leap with joy. They really do. They spring up. They dance around. Because they're so joyful to be outside where they can just let go and be. Hold on to that image for just a minute. While I share a few points from Malachi. The end is in sight, my friends. Well, not just the big end, the last day. A little closer to home. Uh, another church year is drawing to a close. This is the time of the year when the Christian church focuses a little bit more than in the other seasons on Jesus' return and the last days of the, and the resurrection of you and me and all believers, as well as the resurrection of those who don't believe, the judgment. And it's fitting, too, that we would hear from Malachi the last book or scroll from the Old Testament to be written before Jesus, is re, uh, before Jesus shows up in the Gospels. This is, uh, you can do this with any Bible. This is Beck's Bible. I know I shared this with you uh, last Sunday. But you could do this with any NIV or ESV, King James. Here's the end of Malachi, and here's where Matthew starts. Look how much bigger the Old Testament is than the New. There's the Old Testament. There's the New Testament. Look how much is in there. That's a lot of words from God, isn't it? Got this great duality going on in Malachi. Two realities going on at the same time. On the one hand, you got the consuming inferno of the furnace that sets ablaze all the arrogant and evil people. On the other hand, you've got the rising sun of righteousness shedding its warm, healing rays on those who listen to God and trust in Him. Judgment and blessing. Death and new life. Going on at the same time. And at the same time, we, the hearers of this text, as you were listening to that whole scroll of Malachi, we have a duality going on within us. An arrogant person is not just someone being uppity or snotty towards others. It's Self-absorption, self-centeredness, self-promotion, self-reliance. Arrogant is man making up his mind that he can force God into his own cherished mindset of what God should be and do. Oh, Few or none of us would ever accept that we could have such a heart and mind, now could we? Yet isn't that what we confess every week or so? Isn't? Arrogance, the sin known and unknown to us in thought, word, and deed? You bet it is. Which means we're all arrogant 
We're all like chaff. We're all like fuel for the furnace. We are ashes. Remember, Ash Wednesday. Yet, from the ashes, we rise with arrogance and all sin purged. We see the Son of Righteousness, Jesus, rise. And we delight that the ultimate father-son relationship was restored so that we too, with Him, rise and are made right with God the Father, our Creator. It's a reality that begins now and waits with a sure and certain confidence to the end, the last day. Christ restores what we, what we destroy and all relationships are healed. And that's good news. So then, why don't we get out and frolic like calves being let out from the barn? No? Don't want to do that? Would that look too weird in church? This is church after all, and we have a certain decorum we must adhere to, right? We wouldn't want to look foolish. But those kids that run out into that playground wouldn't be concerned with that. You remember those days when it was you, don't you? Who leaped with joy when you were let out outside? That day is coming, my friends. It's not pie in the sky. It's not too good to be true. Being a Christian isn't all about being a good person just on this earth, in this life. It's not just a philosophy for good living. A good person is what you may change into because you are forgiven of all your sin and the work of the Spirit in the Word. The main thing is the resurrection of the whole person. Your body, your mind, your soul. My body, my mind, my soul. Our bodies. The resurrection of the whole person. You and me to life that lasts forever. It's already started. And there's a lot more to come. So if you haven't danced in a long time or frolicked, then there's something more to look forward to among all the other blessings and promises at the resurrection, isn't there? Amen.